This is Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching, episode number 18. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Welcome back to another episode of Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching. I am going to bring to you yet another episode of what was originally an episode of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Which, by the way, The Cliff Ravenscraft Show, it's my main show. If you've not subscribed to it yet, go into your favorite podcast directory, do a search for Cliff Ravenscraft Show, it'll be there, and subscribe to it. (laughs) Occasionally, I share something there that is, I think it's like, okay, I believe coaches would really benefit. They could take their whole profitable coaching business to new levels of success if they had access to this content. And so what you're going to experience in this episode came from the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. It was originally a conversation that I had on Clubhouse with a man named Abed. And Abed came to me and says, Cliff, I need to talk to you and get some advice on the decision-making process. I really struggle with getting stuck into the what if, what if, what if cycle of things. It's emotionally draining to me. I get to the point where I can't sleep, I overthink things, and ultimately, I I just put off making decisions altogether because, you know what, it just seems like no matter what I decide, it's just the wrong decision. It just, this always happens to me. Now, this is not going to be a conversation where I talk about how to do the decision-making process because while that's what he was asking me, it became very clear to me as a coach that what he was experiencing uh, in decision-making was a symptom of a much deeper problem, and that is his programming code. Whenever somebody uses a phrase, I always, and then they tell you their story of their limitation. This always happens to me. Every time I get this result, no matter what I try, I never seem to fill in the blank. Whenever you hear that, recognize this person is going to continue to experience this no matter what tips, what tools, and what strategies you give to them. You can send them off to our workshop on how to build an online course. You can send them to a nutritionist to learn about the healthy foods that they should eat. You can send them over to a personal trainer to learn how to work out and and get buff without hurting themselves using the right form, but none of that will matter unless you can get them to rewrite the programming code that believes my identity. I am a person who always fill in the blank. That'll all make much more sense for you as you listen to this conversation that I'm about ready to share with you. There are two things that I want you to know. As a coach, What I would love for you to pull out of this is if you have not yet yourself read the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, this is a book you could read in a weekend and it will profoundly change your ability to coach other people in a powerful way. Now, if you already understand the concepts that I'm about ready to share here at a much deeper level, that's fine, but if anything that I'm saying here, it's like, oh man, I hadn't really thought about that way. I don't know that if a guy came to me and says, Cliff, I'm really struggling with making decisions, what do you think about this? I don't know that I would have thought to go into subconscious programming mode. So 
If this is a new concept for you as a coach, I would encourage you to go get this book. And even if you are more advanced, it's not going to hurt you to spend a weekend reading another book to reinforce. You might hear a different insight, a different different approach, a different angle that might benefit you as well. So Dr. Maxwell Maltz is the author. The book is called Psycho-Cybernetics. My favorite version is the updated and expanded version. You'll see the name Matt Fury on the title somewhere of the cover of the book or in the description. So that's my favorite version, but any version is going to be fine. The second thing I want you to know about this conversation, the person I'm about ready to share with you, the conversation that, that I had, he had never heard the name Cliff Ravenscraft in his life prior to what you're about ready to hear right now. A-B-D, what does that stand for? How do I say your name? You can call me Abed. How can I serve you? Uh, like, what kind of questions do you, would you like to me asking you? Like, what, do you have a specific kind of area that you are experienced in or... I do. Thank you for that question. So first of all, for anybody else that's in the room, so you can get a feel for what this room is about, I am here to serve you in any way I can. I love to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire people. Some of my areas of expertise are creating the life of your dreams, getting unstuck, trying to get clarity on what you want in life, how to get it. I have a lot of experience in mindset shifts, belief changes, behavioral changes, online business, building profitable coaching businesses, podcasting, living the good life, being happy, emotional state management, all of that stuff. That's it's a little bit of an overview of some of the things that I bring to the table. And of course, if anybody wants, you can browse through my bio here on Clubhouse and see if there's anything there that sparks your interest. But I've had, now that you have that, any questions? Wow, you have all of that. I mean, you have a lot of experience, I believe. Um, I would just like to ask about decision making. Um, whenever I make a decision, I'd always um, set out the pros and cons, and then I would like kind of predict the outcome. And I will also communicate to seek some advice from people who have already made decisions similar to mine. But the thing is that I always get stuck in this um, stage where I'm, what I always think about what if, what if, what if, what if. It leaves me emotionally drawn. I cannot sleep. I cannot do anything. I would always just um, have these. It could be negative. It could be positive. But like it makes me take long periods to make a decision and I end up uh, not making the right decision. So what's your take on that? Well, the first thing is, is that you have programmed yourself to experience that for the rest of your life. <clears throat> when I say that, let me ask you, how does that make you feel or what thoughts come to your mind when I tell you that you have programmed yourself to have exactly the experience you just told me for the rest of your life and that it will never change unless you change that programming. What thoughts come to your mind or what questions would you ask me or how does it make you feel when you hear me say that to you? 
I would say I kind of agree of, of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can tell you that I am programmed in this way, but I have tried to change, but I couldn't. That's the problem. First, you need to change the program. Let me explain to you why I know that that was true for you. And I knew that you wouldn't argue against it because you actually told me your subconscious mind's programming code. So first and foremost, I'm going to give you a book to read. Have you ever read the book Psycho-Cybernetics? Or have you ever even heard of the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz? No. All right, so the first thing I want to do is I want to recommend that you go grab this book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. The one that I like the most is the one that says Updated and Expanded. And you'll see the name Matt Fury somewhere on the cover. So whether you get it in the audio form from Audible or you get it paperback or whatever. But if you don't get the updated and expanded version, it's not a big deal. The original 1965 classic or any version thereof is perfectly fine. They're all going to teach you the most important thing that I want you to understand from the book. And that is the function of your subconscious mind. Are you aware that you have a subconscious mind that basically does all of the important things that need to be done in your life that doesn't require your conscious thought. Oh, sorry, is this a question? Yes. Am I aware that, um, okay, no, I'm not. Okay, so let me ask you this. Abed, do you drive a car? I don't. Okay, so have you ever ridden a bike? Yeah, many times. Okay, so do you recall when you first learned to ride a bike? I unfortunately don't. Okay. Do you ever remember a time when you started trying out a brand new activity, whether it's brushing your teeth, tying your shoe, driving a car, riding a bike, or any other activity, something that required a lot of complex movement between your your fingers, your hands, your eye coordination, the limbs of your body, All of these things, have you ever tried a brand new activity that was a bit challenging for you at first, but today, you can do that without even thinking about it? I did, yeah. Tell me one activity. Oh, going to the gym. Okay, going to the gym. All right, so going to the gym, at some point, it became a conscious effort. It's like you you didn't just wake up and head to the gym that day, right? When you first got started, it's like, listen, I want to start going to the gym. I want to start getting healthy. I want to start working out consistently. You didn't just wake up after never going to the gym and say, you know what? I, I, oh my gosh, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm on my way to the gym right now. So you had to actually overcome all of your limiting beliefs about what the gym means. People will judge me. It's going to be painful. You had to overcome all of these things. And also, it's like, man, I'm not used to going to the gym. I don't know how it's going to be. It's it's so inconvenient. Gosh, there's so many other things on my to-do list. There's all of these conscious decisions you have to make. By the way, did you notice that I just brought in the question that you asked me? decisions. Mm-hmm. How does that relate? Hang out with me for just a little bit at bed and I, I promise you, you'll see where this all connects. So you had all of these decisions to make. What am I going to do with my time? What's the prioritization here? How do I think about this? What do I believe about the gym? What do I believe about these other things on my to-do list? What do I believe about my desire to get healthy or physically fit or strong or whatever? I have all of these decisions to make. 
And it was a little challenging because, and then the reason I know this is because I asked you, is there an activity that was challenging for you at first, but today is super easy? So this is why I asked you to, to kind of let me into your world. So now what happened was you consciously made it through all of those decisions and you got yourself to go to the gym that first time. And then the next time when it came up again, you still had to weigh a lot of conscious decisions. You know, you still didn't just wait. It's like, oh my gosh, I went to the gym yesterday and you wake up the next morning. It's like, boom, let's get gym clothes on straight to the gym. There's, you didn't do it without thinking. You actually had to think about it that second day. But the decision was a little bit easier. It, was, it wasn't as heavy as it was before because you had determined that, you know what, this is gonna be worth it. And then after you went, you said, this is worth it. And so what you did is you gave your subconscious mind some programming code that says going to the gym is fun. It's not as bad as I thought it was. Gym is actually a priority. I feel good that I went to the gym. I wanna feel good again. I'm going to go back to the gym. So it became a little bit easier because you told your subconscious mind, but your subconscious mind still has a lot of the old beliefs, a lot of old programming that still says, I don't know if I'm going to the gym today. I went yesterday, it was good. But so you had to consciously think, I'm gonna go to the gym. And you made yourself go again. And then what happened was over time, you started going to the gym so consistently and you forced yourself to do it consciously, meaning that you think about it to make it happen. You're making the willful decision to go to the gym. But over time, and maybe without you even realizing it, there came a point where you said, wow, this is easy. It just happens. I just find myself at the gym just so happens a bit that one of the things that I bring to table, the table is in November 2014, I made a decision to work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. You may not believe this, but I'm actually sitting in the front seat of my car in the parking lot of my gym. That happens to be where I'm at right now. So I am very familiar with the idea of consciously forcing myself to come to the gym. But now when I wake up in the morning, I don't even have to think about it. I don't think about, oh my gosh, am I going to brush my teeth today? I wake up and I go brush my teeth. But the funny thing is, I wake up and the first thing that I do, well, okay, the first thing I do is I go to the bathroom. Then as soon as I finish that, before I brush my teeth, I go, I walk into my closet I don't think about it. I don't think about, okay, what clothes am I going to wear? No, I walk into my closet. I reach into the drawer that has my workout shorts in it. I reach over to the hanger that has my workout shirts on it. I reach into the drawer and grab a pair of socks. I reach up into the shelf and grab my shoes. I immediately put on my gym clothes. Then I put deodorant on, I brush my teeth, I floss. I don't think about those things. I'm not consciously making the decision. I am not deciding to do those things. Instead, I'm just habitually doing those things because I gave my subconscious mind the programming code, this is who I am, this is what I do. Does all of that kind of make sense to you? Right, so... So now my question is going to be, how are you going to change your, your subconscious program, like programming habits? Before I answer that question, I want to tell you where psychocybernetics comes in. Psychocybernetics is going to tell you two important things. Number one, your 
identity of who you believe you are, your self-image is what he calls it, is going to determine what you do in life. And right now, you're programming your belief about who you are is I am a guy who always gets stuck in the stage of the decision-making process. When I'm trying to make a decision, I, this is who I am at my core, I am the person who always gets stuck asking myself, what if, what if, what if. Matter of fact, I always feel emotionally drained when I'm faced with a decision and I get stuck in the what if. And I can't find myself the willpower to do anything. I always do this. This is who I am. Now, the fact that you just spoke those words out to me out loud, the second part is that's your self-image. The second part of this book is to understand the role and the function of your subconscious mind. I want you to consider this as your auto success mechanism. It's kind of like a heat-seeking missile. Have you ever heard of a heat-seeking missile where they have the computer on board that knows what the destination is? And if, if this missile going through the water and that's shot from a submarine towards its target, if it gets blown off by the current of the sea, it recognizes it and it says, oh, I've been blown off course. If I actually don't fix this trajectory... I'm not going to hit the target. And so it's programmed to go hit the target. And so as soon as it sees that the current of the sea has blown it off course, it adjusts the propellers on the missile so that it actually turns the left propeller on a little bit more so that it actually steers back towards its target so it can hit the target. Are you familiar with that? Or at least do you understand the analogy that I'm giving you here? Yeah, I'm, I wasn't familiar, but I, I, I got what you're saying. Okay, so here's what I want you to know. Your subconscious mind is the targeting system for whatever goal or desire you have. But your subconscious mind is like a five-year-old child. It has lots of information, and it has a lot of resources available to it. But it's not very good at discerning things. And it's not good at abstract thinking. In fact, it has to be very literal. And the other thing is, is it, it cannot process anything given to it as an instruction in the negative form. I'll explain all of that in just a moment. So here's what happens. Are you familiar with computer programming? Yeah, kind of. Okay. So computer programming, you write code and says, if this happens, then do this. That's what computer software does, right? Right. Okay. So, and to oversimplify that, let's think about somebody who writes a document in, let's just say Google Docs or Microsoft Word. I'm in a document editor. And I want to print a sign that's that's on the front door of my business that says shirt and shoes are required. Let's just say I have a business and it says shirt and shoes are required. And that's what I typed into the document. I look at it. I click print and it prints out a piece of paper. I take the piece of paper. I tape it to the door and I think everything's fine. The only thing is, though, 
there's a big problem, Abed. One of my customers comes in and says, man, that sign is kind of offensive. And I'm like, what do you mean the sign's kind of offensive? He says, yeah, it's incredibly offensive. It says, why does it say S-H-I-T and shoes are required for entry? I'm like, oh my gosh. So I go pull the sign off. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a marker and I'm going to put the R in there. So it says shirt and shoes are required. So now what I did is I put, I, I took a marker, I put the R in there, but I don't like how it looks. So you know what I'm going to do, Abed? I'm going to reprint it. Now I go over to the original document. I hit print. Printer spews out a new sheet of paper. I take some tape, I tape it to the door, everything's fine except for the fact the next customer comes in and goes, man, that sign is very offensive. And I'm like, what do you mean it's offensive? Why did the second customer tell me that the sign is offensive? Um, Wait, so what I understand is that the first sign has the word shirt, but with the, uh, the R. But however, the second with the R, right? That is where we often think how it should work. So I logically took you down this route to tell you what it's like for you and I to consciously think to ourselves, oh, I want this outcome instead. Hey, I know I didn't go to the gym today. I wanted to go to the gym. Ah, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, I don't want to sleep in. I don't want to skip going to the gym. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel, man, I always, I always screw up and I, I, I never make it to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. And then all of a sudden we anticipate that we're going to wake up tomorrow and find ourselves at the gym, but that's impossible. And so in this scenario, I went to a Word document and I thought I wrote shirt and shoes required for entry. But I left out the R in the sign. I printed that document, put it on the thing, and it says S-H-I-T and shoes are required for entry. And the first customer says that's offensive. So I take the sign down and I manually take a marker on the sheet of paper and write R. And I realize it's not good enough. It doesn't look professional. So I want a more professional looking sign on my door. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go and hit the print button on the document and I'm going to stick the sign on the door. Where did I mess up a bit? Uh, where did you, did you actually add the R in the, in the final document? No, I added the R on the original result, but I never changed the programming. Yeah, then you didn't change anything because it says S-H-I-T. So you're telling me, wait a second, you mean to tell me, Abed, that if I print what I typed into that document and it says S-H-I-T, are you telling me that no matter how many changes I make to that piece of paper that was printed out, if I go and click the print button again, it's still going to say S-H-I-T? Of course, unless you change it from the software program by adding the R. That is awesome. So, Abed, what you just told me, your Google Doc or your Microsoft Word document, that's your subconscious mind. The piece of paper that you stick to the door... That's you thinking about it all the time. 
how do I change what I think? How do I change this? How do I change this? You actually have to change the programming. What you're doing is you're trying to write all sorts of things with a marker on the sheet of paper, but every time you go back to your subconscious mind, you click the print button and you still get the S-H-I-T in your life that shows up, don't you? Right. What if you've actually tried to reprogram yourself and you, you end up failing in it multiple times and then you end up not wanting to, you know, to try to change it? There's some programming codes. I try to make changes to my programming and I fail and I give up. Yeah, because I mean, because it's true. It is true for you. So, here is how you get out of this endless loop. You have to do a little bit of study to figure out how do I communicate in this programming language. Do you know any programming code whatsoever? Like software? Yeah, software. Can you program HTML? Can you do you know any computer coding language whatsoever? Uh, no, really. Not really. Okay. If I were to hire you and say, listen, I want you to build me an iOS app that will do ABC, could I rely on you to go and create that iOS app for me? I don't think so because I don't have the background. Exactly. So what you need to realize is I have been trying to reprogram my programming code of my subconscious mind, but I don't speak that language. I don't know that code. I don't have that background there are a couple things that you could do. Number one, you could go to somebody who understands the programming language of the subconscious mind, or you could teach yourself the programming language. By the way, Abed, how old are you? 24. Okay. Are you aware that there are stories, countless stories of teenagers who have never programmed a single thing in their life? They don't know any programming code at all. But they went online and found a tutorial that in a weekend taught them how to program whatever it's Objective-C or whatever these program languages that, that allows people to program iOS apps. And in a single weekend, they taught themselves the basics of how to program an iOS app. And at the end of the weekend, they actually published their first test iOS application in the app store. It's it's kind of ugly, but it's there. Have you ever heard of these stories? Mm, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you get exposed to uh, people teaching you a certain subject or a certain matter, you would, yeah, you would be able to succeed in it. What I'm telling you here is that if you'd like to change the programming code of your subconscious mind, Don't expect the programming code to change until you go learn the language. Don't sit there and say, oh my gosh, you know what? Every single time I try to create an iOS application, I sit in front of a text editor on my computer and I type all kinds of stuff there. I have the greatest of intentions of this becoming an iOS application that does A, B, and C and having it show up in Apple's iOS store. But every time I sit in front of that text editing software, I fail miserably. It never, I just give up. If I never read a book about programming iOS applications, if I never learn that programming code, what are the chances if I sit in front of a text editor and just type random stuff that I think might get me a better result, how long will it take me to create an iOS application? Of course, the failure is 
inevitable. Exactly. So this is what I wanted you to understand. If I tell you this, I always breathe. Is that a true statement? 100%. Okay. Now watch this. Guess what I didn't do for the last however many seconds that was? I inhaled and I held my breath. Mm-hmm. So for a period of time during the silence, I was not breathing. Mm-hmm. So I Which always makes breathe. your sentence wrong. Exactly. So what you have to realize, it, but here's the thing though. It's a good, that's a good sentence for me. I always breathe. It is a good sentence for me to program because I do want to always breathe. I want my subconscious mind to know that breathing is essential to my life. Keep doing that. You don't want to have to actually think about breathing all day, every day. So you want to let your programming code take care of some of these routines so that you can consciously think about other things. This is kind of like sometimes I can force myself to go to the gym. But what if I actually say these words? You know what? Here's the situation. I'm currently, I forced myself to go to the gym every day last week. I forced myself to go to the gym every day so far this week. I'm doing really good. But here's the problem. Every time I do this, I usually go for about three or four weeks and then I get out of the routine. I kind of lose my willpower and I go back to my sedentary lifestyle. That's what always happens to me. As long as I'm consciously using the power of my will, consciously thinking and deciding and forcing myself to go to the gym, I'll consistently go to the gym. But guess what's going to happen after about three to four weeks of me doing all of that? Okay, what's going to happen? My subconscious mind is going to force me It is my subconscious mind is going to distract me. It is going to do exactly what I programmed it to do. I click the print button on the code that says after three to four weeks, no matter how dedicated, no matter how consistent I was, after three to four weeks, my identity is the person who always loses out on this routine and goes back to the old way. And I become sedentary. That's the code in the document. And that's what my subconscious mind is going to print on the paper of my life every single time. So I must stop using language like I always. I always get stuck in the what ifs. I always get emotionally drained when faced with a decision. I always get to the place where I don't want to do anything. I always do that. You got to get that out of the Word document. You have to take that code away. You need to hit the backspace button on all of that and start saying these things. There have been times in my past where I've gotten stuck in the what if routine. But I have changed. I now see that my subconscious mind is an auto success mechanism that will print out whatever I type in as code. And so therefore, I am someone 
who makes a decision and doesn't worry about what the what ifs are. I'll cross that bridge. Here's the good news. What if? Let's think about that for just a second. It doesn't matter what if. The what ifs of life are the where I learn. My ultimate goal isn't to succeed in everything I ever do. Life would be boring if there was never any challenge. I'm going to make this decision. I've weighed the pros. I've weighed the cons. I've talked to some other people. And you know what? Inside of me, this is the direction I have decided to go. This is my decision. There is no changing. It may fail. It may succeed. It doesn't matter. No matter what, I'm going to evaluate the results that I get based upon the decision. And once I get results, I can then discern whether or not I need to change my approach in life. But from this day forward, I am a person who quickly makes decisions after I've carefully observed what are the pros, what are the cons, and sought some advice of other people who have faced this decision. I never take more than three days. I never take more than a week. I never take more than two weeks to make any decision in my life. And once I've made the decision, there is no what ifs in my life. I only think about results and I'm going to get those results. And if the results are not what I intended, I will evaluate them and then I will see if there's new decisions that need to be made. That's who I am. Boom. I just changed my identity. When I changed my identity by all of those statements, now that's what I just wrote into my Word document. Now, if I hit print, I'm going to get the right results. Does this make sense, Abed? It absolutely does. I I appreciate your um, <laughs> you getting into this. Um, yeah, it's it's all about just your tricking your subconscious into nope, believing. Nope, 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 nope. How would you feel if I told you everything I did? I just tricked you. What do you think about the word tricked? Does it create positive feelings? It depends. It depends. It could be positive. It could be negative. Okay. So here's what I want you to know. Your subconscious mind will pick up on whatever the heaviest is. So be cautious about using the word tricked. You are not tricking your subconscious mind. You're training it. You're programming it. You are not tricking it. Right. Okay. So you trying to reprogram things but sometimes things are just like real they're like how do i say this um i know like i mean i can reprogram a lot of things in my life i can reprogram me making decisions i can reprogram but i cannot reprogram everything when the reality shows otherwise the reality never shows anything other than what is and you rarely ever see what reality is you only see what you have perceived reality is so you as a physical body have five senses you get to taste things touch things see things hear things and smell things that's the only way you take in information so what happens is all of that is nothing more than data that comes in So what I can tell you is your subconscious mind is going to sort through 
every single millisecond that you've been alive, all of the data that it's brought in from all of these senses, and it's made some determinations. I believe this strongly. This is true. That is true. This is true. That is true. That is false. I hate this. I like this. We have a vast, massive amount of programming in our subconscious mind. Does this does this all make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you uh, that you believe in life is basically throughout, you know, whatever you, you've experienced. So let me ask you this, Abed. Cliff Ravenscraft, have you have you ever heard of me before this conversation? I have never. <laughs> Great. Let me ask you this. You've you've been talking to me for about 30 45 minutes somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes. Let me right. ask you this. Cliff Ravenscraft is he a good guy or is he an arrogant, full of himself guy? No, he's a good guy because he was he was trying to answer my question for around thirty minutes. So that's a that's an that's a quality of a good guy. Okay, now is that reality? According to me and according to the data that I got throughout through my senses, yes. Do you know? that there would be the potential of a handful of people popping into Clubhouse and saying, oh my gosh, Cliff Ravenscraft's hosting a room. Wow, that guy is so arrogant, so self-conceited, so full of himself. He hogs the stage. He only invites one person at the time. And you know what? The guy always has to have the answer. He He's just showing off about how much he knows and what his experience is. He's such a conceited, full of himself, arrogant, self-help guru that needs to be avoided. Do you think there's a possibility that there could be people that come into this clubhouse room and witness you and I spending 30 to 45 minutes together and say those things. Absolutely. Now, what is reality? Is Cliff the arrogant, self-conceited, full of himself, self-help guru guy who feels like he always has to have the spotlight? Or is he the super well, awesome guy that you were talking about? Which Tell me which one is the reality. Okay, well, according to me, the cool you are the cool guy. But according, because I have only talked to you for around only 30 to 40 minutes, which in that case, I cannot make a full general um, judgment on like you as, as a person. But according to those 30 to 40 minutes, yes, you are not arrogant. You are actually down to earth and a good guy. But it's your reality. Actually, I'm going to correct my own language. It is your perception of what reality is. It's not actually reality. There is no such thing as reality. There is only your perception of what is. And what makes your perception more accurate than the other guy who came in? Let's just say somebody else came in and it's like, wow, I've never heard of Cliff Ravenscraft either. And this is my perception of that guy. He's so full of himself. And so he he ends up leaving and says, but you both come away with two different perspectives. Now, why do you come away with this and he comes away with that? It's not because I'm talking to you and helping you instead of helping him. He actually might have raised his hand and 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 actually I, I would be talking to him and he'd be fighting the whole time thinking it's like, man, this guy's so full of himself. You know what, Cliff, I'm done here. 
And that would be his reaction. By the way, the reason I know that, I bet, because I've had people come on Clubhouse and there's like, okay, dude, okay, I'm, I'm off to some other places now. And that's fine. That's their perception of who I am. It's not reality. It's their perception of what reality is. So when you go back to your question and say, well, you know, there are, I, I can't control my, you are absolutely in control of your perception of reality every moment of the day. And you're choosing to believe what you believe based upon all of the programming code that you've accumulated over the years. You've heard people like your parents taught you certain things. This is what this is how you ought to be in this world. This is what it means to be a good person. Religious leaders, your peers laughing at you when you fell down and made a mistake. All of a sudden it's like, I should never make mistakes. You know, all of these things, all of this code, you're carrying around a boatload of code that you're not consciously aware of, but it is actually the code that is determining what does the data coming in from your five senses actually mean. Have you ever heard of a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? I've heard of it, but never read it. This is a man who was put in, he and his family put into the Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II, and his family was exterminated. And yet, while most people would give up and die and say this is reality, is that this world is evil, there's no chance I'm ever going to make it out of here alive, I'm going to die, that's what most people's programming code would be conditioned to think about that scenario. And I, there, before I ever read this book and before I learned all this stuff, that I was, I'm like, gosh, how could you have anything other than that? Except for if you found that Viktor Frankl says, wow, what does this make possible? How, what, what kind of question is that? What, what is there that is going to come out of this that is going to give fulfillment and meaning and purpose to my life? Wait a second. Your wife and your kids have been exterminated and you're talking about being fulfilled through this experience? How? That's stupid. Do you not understand the reality of this world and the situation you're in? But his programming code, by the way, he was a psychologist. And, that makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. And he understood the programming code, and he says, listen, I will find meaning in this. You know what? Because of what I'm experiencing here, I am documenting everything that I'm experiencing. I will write about this, and my life's mission and my life's purpose, that I will use the pain that I have endured through this experience. I will write about it in detail, and I will do everything in my power so that people will know what happened here so that it will never happen again in human history. He chose to rewrite reality of his experience. Now, I bet if you could be in a concentration camp where your wife and kids have been exterminated, do you not think that you could reprogram how you experience this world and, and, and how you see meaning in some of the more painful experiences in your life? Uh, you mean I bring the good out of that experience or I describe it as it was and then, like, what do you mean exactly? You you could choose any you could choose any of the above. Well, yeah. I I would I would describe what happened, and I would describe the pain that I've endured, and at the same time I would 
make a conclusion that this has all happened for you know for some good like good stuff that is absolutely your prerogative to do exactly that and other people would choose to see what happens document it in their own mind and see how terrible it is and give up and say there is no hope and that's their prerogative right life is a choose your own adventure game what do you think when you hear I say life is a choose your own adventure game yes basically it's it's how you program it it's how you look at it basically and like from which angle do you look at your life if you look at it from um, it's all about too you're in control of being happy of being successful of being uh, whatever you like in life that's what I got that's awesome and do you believe it's true uh, it is true. I do believe it is true. But at the same time, you have to be mindful of the environment that surrounds you. Explain to me more. So it is true that you are in control of how you feel at, at, at any time. You're in control. That's what you said. But at the same time, you have to be mindful of the environment around you. So explain to me how being mindful of the environment around you will impact your ability to choose how you feel in that environment. Um, let's say you are surrounded by negative people, for example, by people who are not, you know, positive. Of course, that will have an impact on you, although maybe you are a positive person, but then it will lead you to be, you know, not, not pursuing whatever you want in life or kind of it impacts you in some way or somehow. And so this is just a small example what I, what I mean by environment is it could be the people that surrounds you that you have no control of changing them, basically. You, you cannot change them. It's, it is what it is. There are certain things in life where you cannot sometimes change because it's how it is. I, I hope you get my point. I, I get what you're saying. And at one time I would have agreed with you but I I see the semblance of truth in what you're saying but there are nuances number one I can change people around me because what you're saying is that those people can change you you're making an argument that people that are negative around you can change you they, they will not fully change you but they may have some impact on you Okay, so great. So what you've just said is those people who have negative attitudes, they can have some impact on you. So, by the way, having some impact on you, is that or is that not a change? Even in the slightest. I mean, yeah, it is a minor change. Okay, a minor change, but it is a change. All right, now, if they were relentless in their negativity and they were to focus that negativity directly at you, could they impact you a little bit more? Mm, it depends. It does depend. depend. And it all depends on who. The argument that I would make is that, yeah, if you're not fully prepared to be in full control of your own state, 
emotionally, then you can be easily influenced by others. So their negative negativity can bring you down, which changes you. You, you might walk into a room all happy and filled with hope. And you walk into this crowd of people that is consistently, habitually in a negative state of mind. And they say things and, and all of a sudden, and the next thing you know, it's like, man, you know what? They're probably, you know, ah, yeah, I was crazy to think that. You know, and, and it, it changes. It's like, man, I'm changed. It's like, now I feel negative. Where'd my hope go? I, 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 gosh, that is what you were saying is the, the concern about the environment, right? Yeah. So then right afterwards, you says, and well, I can't change them. What you're saying, if you, by the way, that's, that's programming code. I can't whatever. So therefore you've, you've now programmed some language into your subconscious mind. This is impossible. It's hopeless to be in an environment like this and be happy. So therefore I'm not going to experience that in my life. When I hit the print button, I will not experience the ability to be in full control of my own emotional state when I'm in a negative environment. Now I'm not saying it's going to be easy at first, but it wasn't easy at first to go to the gym. It wasn't easy at first the first time I drove a car. It wasn't easy at first the first time I rode a bike. It wasn't easy at first to do a lot of things, but it's still within my control. I am able to do it if I practice it and learn it and study it. And so, therefore, I would never, Cliff Ravenscraft, I would never say that my ability to create my life the way that I want it and to assign meaning to certain situations in my life, I would never say it depends on my environment. What I would say is I can and choose to feel and experience peace, love, and joy every moment of every day of my life, regardless of any circumstance externally, regardless of any environment, regardless of any negativity, regardless of any crisis or calamity. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't occasions where I will mourn, I will be sad or something like that, but I will not live there and I will certainly never allow others to put me into an emotional state that I did not choose consciously to be in. Now, that's my programming code. So you put me in the same room with the same negative people as you, I promise you I'm going to have an incredibly different experience of life than you with the programming code that you currently have. Does this make sense? Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, okay. Let me, let me rephrase. Not, okay. They're not negative, but you people will not sometimes change. You cannot change them. For example, just a simple example are your parents they have these beliefs these ideas these whatever like how do they look at things in a certain way and they cannot be changed basically like you have tried multiple times to converse with them to like convince them about this matter and they are just sticking to whatever they believe like that's kind of an example of um of like an obstacle that makes you not able to change the people around you, but rather they have an impact on you because they were not convinced. What if I told you that, number one, I would question whether or not I want to change people around me. 
That's the first question I would ask is, how much do I desire to actually change my parents and what they think and what they say and what they believe? That's the first question I'd ask myself. I, I don't, I'm not suggesting that I have the answer to that. There are some people in my life that I choose, you know what, I don't desire to try to change these people. I, you know, this is their path. This is where they're at. This is what's going on in their life. This is what they've chosen. And you know what? They seem pretty content, even maybe though they may be suffering in some areas. You know what? But that's their life. This is, that's their choice. Even if I love them, even if it's my parents, even if it's my, sometime, even if it's my child or whatever the case may be. But I can't, Cliff Ravenscraft, this is my identity. I can't, I cannot accept the fact that I don't have the ability, not for me to change them, they can only change themselves, but I do have the ability to influence them greatly and to be a catalyst for significant, massive change in their lives if I genuinely wanted to. See, the thing is, is my parents, they've believed this their entire life and they're not going to change. Boom, you just told your subconscious mind, I, Cliff Ravenscraft, my identity in this world, I have no ability to change what my parents believe. Okay, so now my subconscious mind accepts that, says, I will never try to give you any of the vast amount of unlimited resources for you to impact and influence and change the way your parents see the world. I will never give you any of those resources because you've just told me that's not what you desire. You don't want that. You You don't believe it's possible. No worries. Tell me what you do want. Let's go do that. I know. Here's what I want. I always fail to make decisions. I always ask what ifs and I always get overwhelmed and I always give up. Okay, I'll, you know what, I'll, I'll bring the vast storehouses of resources of everything I have to offer, and I will help you continually experience that reality. Now, you could say, you know what, I do believe I have the ability to impact and influence what my parents believe. The thing is, though, is I need to actually learn that programming code, because the conscious mind is only about 15% of how we experience life. 85% of what we experience in life is determined by our subconscious mind, things that we're not even aware of. It's the code. It's been programmed and conditioned over all these years. Now, what I've learned from just a one-hour conversation with Cliff Ravenscraft is that there's a programming code to the subconscious mind, and it's not the same as my English language or any other language that I know in human form. There is programming language that I need to know the syntax and the code of how to tap in to my parents' subconscious mind. And I could ask them, say, Mom, Dad, would you be open to seeing a different perspective? I'm not asking you to change. I'm just asking you, would you be willing to see if there's another way to see this world other than what you have? And if they are open to it, they might allow me to play around with some of the programming code that's inside of their quote-unquote Word document. By the way, Abed, you came into this room. I don't know if you've recognized this, and, and you may not be aware of it, but what if I told you after you leave this room, you will never see the world the same way you did before? Really? You will walk away from this conversation right here changed. 
But how are you sure? Because I've done this before. I've made you aware of many things you were previously not aware of. Is that an accurate statement? Yep. Is there any chance at all, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I'm absolutely going to do it, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to go read the book Psycho-Cybernetics? Um, if I have time, like I cannot, I cannot tell you for sure. If you have time. So each human being is given 24 hours in a day. And what I can promise you is this. If you die right now or shortly after this conversation, there is a very high likelihood the chances uh, and the potential of you actually reading and finishing Psycho-Cybernetics is almost nil. I mean, it's almost non-existent. But if you are alive and not in excruciating pain and potentially unconscious in the hospital, but if if you just live a uh, just a normal day of your life for the next 24 hours or the next 72 hours or the next 30 days... Here's what I can tell you. If you are still alive 30 days from now and no major crisis event has happened in your life, I can guarantee you one thing. You will have time to read the book. Whether or not you read it or not is whether or not you chose to want it. You don't have to read this book. I'm not telling you to go read this book. So on a scale of one to 10 is all I'm asking. How likely are you? Just be completely honest. I don't want to, like, if I have time. I just, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, this is not if I have time. Because regardless, I I can tell you right now, there's a number of times when all of a sudden I never thought about something and somebody brought something up and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And then I didn't say, oh, how long would that take? That's going to take about seven hours. Oh, well... If I have time, no, if I want it, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to block out seven hours of what I would have done doing a bunch of other things. And I'm going to do it because I want it. It's not whether or not you have time. It's whether or not you want to do it. And there's nothing wrong. If you don't want to read this book, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a one. If, oh my gosh, I'm absolutely within the next 30 days, I will have read Psycho Cybernetics. That's a 10 and anywhere between. But I just want to hear from you on a scale of one to 10, Within the next 30 days, how likely is it that you will complete this book? It has nothing to do with how much time you have. If you're alive 30 days from now, how likely is it that you will have completed the book? And it only has to do with one thing. How much do you want it on a scale of 1 to 10? How much do I want? I would probably say 6 out of 10. Six out of 10. So I can tell you there's a 60% chance that you will make the time to read the book. Now, yeah, here- because I'm a, I'm a person who, who's not, I don't like to read books. I rather read online, like articles and journals. So you will continually be a person who avoids reading books and who will do more to read online articles and miss out on the gold that is in a book that could potentially transform your life forever. Now, the reason I can say this, is Abed, is because I used to say exactly what you, I hate books. I hate reading. I used to brag about the fact that, you know what, I don't think I've actually read more than two or three books since I graduated college and that was, or not, I didn't graduate college, since I was in college. 
gosh, that's been X number of years ago. It's been more than a decade. I think I've read three books. Nobody's got time for that. You know, they're, gosh, you've got access to whatever I need. I can find it just in time. I used to say those things. And guess what? I used to never read books. And I changed. Over time, I began to see significant things that I wanted in my life. I looked for people who had what I wanted. And I asked them, how did you get that? And so many times the answer to the question, how did you get that? Well, I learned about it in this book. I read this book. And then I went down to this place called the Biltmore Estate down in Asheville, North Carolina. It's one of the largest private home residents in the United States. And it's this big, huge, gigantic estate. It's absolutely mind-blowingly awesome. And the one of the things that really stood out to me was George Vanderbilt had a personal library of over 10,000 books. And he would read somewhere as many as 30 books in a single month, every month of his life. And so it's just, I, I just learned that it's like, man, the people who, the, the people who are achieving in life, the things that I want, it seems that books seems to be, reading books seems to be a common denominator. And that started to impact me and, and I evaluated. And then one day I said, hmm, Maybe, maybe I might actually go, okay, I'm going to try reading some books. And guess what happened to me, Abed? I, I actually read a handful of books and it, st- it like blew my mind. My, the world is not the same as it was before. I am starting to experience different things. I'm seeing myself going from struggling financially to getting out of debt to living in financial abundance. I'm seeing myself struggling with how do I get people to notice me and talk to me and to, to where now I have audiences of hundreds of thousands of people. It's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. All because of a handful of insights that I learned from a book. What book that actually made you transform to the way you are right now? It's not any one book, but one book that was a definite turning point for me. You might have heard of it. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Oh, I'm, oh, you're talking about the same book. I thought it was a Oh, book. no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about lots of books. I could give you a list of 50 books that have absolutely radically changed my life. I refuse to give you any more than that because there's, based upon your initial question, Cliff, how can I get better at making decisions? How can I get out of this place where I get stuck in the stage of asking myself what ifs? And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing you can do until you understand the role and the function of your self-image and your subconscious mind. If you don't learn those two things, you'll never be able to make decisions and see success doing what you want. Go read this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Now, let me just check in for a second. On a scale of one to 10, you were a six a few minutes ago. On a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to have completed this book within the next 30 days? Okay, now probably seven. Did I just change you? You kind of did. <laughs> you know what I did is I got into your subconscious programming while I was talking with you. Yeah, but this is like you changed me. Um, I don't know. Never mind. 
what I did is, what I did is, and I could teach you all sorts of things about putting people into a hypnotic state. And I'm not a, I'm not a trained hypnotist or anything like that, but I've learned, I've read countless books. Well, I've, I've read about four or five books on hypnosis and I understand how hypnotism works. And I'm not actually doing hypnotism on purpose. It's called conversational hypnotherapy, which by the way, I still have not read a book specifically on conversational hypnotherapy. But I have learned enough to know that why I'm able to do some of the things that I do is because I'm actually telling stories about my own life, about my own experience. And as I was telling you about how I used to feel, by the way, everything I told you was absolutely true. There was none of that was manufactured. It's all true. That's all my story. But as I was telling you my story, you weren't hearing my story. You were imagining yourself as having lived my story. And when I told you about the fact that, man, I was struggling and I went from being in debt to being out of debt to being financially abundant, when I had nobody out there who knew who I was and I had a hard time getting people to know who I am and, 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 and stuff like that, and I, you imagined all of that self stuff for yourself, didn't you? Um, like being transformed? Yes. I imagined myself reading the book and kind of having some impact in my life and like having a new kind of life, basically. A new of how do I look at life. Exactly. Now, if I would have actually said to you, Abed, here's what I want to tell you. You just told me that you're a six. Dude, you have to go read this book. Your life will never get any better if you don't read this book. I promise you, you would have had a different reaction. You wouldn't have gone from a six to a seven. You might have actually gone from a six down to a four. There's a possibility of that. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does. See? What I did is all I did was talk about my own story and my own experience and my own transformation. Not saying that it's guaranteed to happen for you, but I just shared with you my story and you began to imagine that that's a possibility. By the way, you're imagining it you saw it with your mind, you actually started to visualize it, you were actually programming your subconscious mind that I see myself reading this book. I see myself being impacted by this book. I see the potential transformation in this book. You were communicating that just by hearing me tell you this story and as you were thinking about it, you're programming your subconscious mind. What I did was give you a suggestion through a story. You turned it into programming code, which is called auto-suggestion. Now, that's a little bit deeper. You'll get a little bit of that even inside of Psycho-Cybernetics if you were to choose to read it. Now, let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to read Psycho-Cybernetics within the next 30 days? Still 7%. There you go. 70%. That's fine. I, I I can deal with 70%. Abed, let me ask you this. Have I served you today? You absolutely did. Oh, my God. Um, I am very thankful for your time and for your effort. I mean, you basically kind of used like different methods in order to convince me about the reprogramming idea, which is, which is the core problem here like in conclusion like what i concluded from what you said is it's all about reprogramming your subconscious and that's it 
if you want to change something, you have to reprogram your subconscious. If you want to change something, you have to change the programming first. So what is it that you're dealing with? Is it a cycle of indecision? Is it a cycle of a behavior that you want to put an end to? Is it a cycle of not being able to implement a new routine that you desperately know would, if you could do it, it would absolutely powerfully impact your life in a positive way? Is there something that you want to change in your life? Do you understand that just reading a bunch of books on decision-making, eating healthy, working out, morning routine planning, and all of this other stuff, time management, do you understand that if you really want to change your experience of the cycles of what has always shown up in your life, you have to go and change the programming first. Your waking life, my waking life, is the page that's been printed on the printer of life or the material world or what we experience in this world. But if we want to change what's printed on this page of life, we need to go into the subconscious. We need to get in there and program the original code so that the next time we click the print button, we get the result that we desire. If this has resonated with you, if you have found yourself impacted by this conversation, I want you to just imagine what it would be like if you and I had a conversation one-on-one directly, specifically answering your questions, specifically diving into your programming code, specifically rewriting that code. By the way, I just want to point out, you know how Abed went from a likelihood of reading that book, Psycho-Cybernetics, from, he went from a six to a seven. I stopped at a seven, but if I truly wanted to, I could have got him to a 10. It would have only taken me three to five more minutes to get him to a 10. But that wasn't the point. The whole point was for him to understand the insight that if you really want to experience change in any area of life, you need to go to the source code and change the programming. Personally, I believe wholeheartedly that he will go and read this book. There was enough that was put into that conversation for him to understand that Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, that book contains some insight into how one might go and learn the basics of this programming code. Just saying. And it's, it's fun stuff. I would love to take my education my experiences in life, my areas of expertise, all of my skills, my talents, my abilities, and I would love to bring all of that and make it available to you personally. Does that sound appealing? If so, I would encourage you to reach out to me and say, Cliff, I'd love to know what it would be like 
to have you as my coach? What would it look like for you and I to be in a coaching relationship together? Here is what I've got going on. Just send me an email. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and my email address is just as easy to remember. Cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Just put coaching in the subject line. I look forward to potentially hearing from you. No, you know what? I can't wait to hear from you. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do, including the programming code, understanding of the language of the code, uh, to the next level. Go, go get that book, Psycho-Cybernetics, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Link in the show notes. Take everything you do to the next level. <laughs> Mindset and man.